Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. My name is Kevin Rognus, and I'm the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. As always, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, whether you're listening on any of the major podcasting platforms or if you're watching on YouTube. It's also really great if you can leave a review to let us know how we're doing so that we can make sure that we're covering the kind of topics that you want us to cover or to improve anything that we need to improve. So let us know. Uh, You can also email me. My email address is listed in the description of the episode down below. Today, we are joined by our very own Pastor Sarah Sosa. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's always fun. Yeah. We're just here to kind of talk about some parenting stuff because Mm -hmm. parenting is probably the most important place that discipleship happens. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they get they get the most hours with kids, yep. right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you're kind of biased with your job because that is kind of your I job is to help. Bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yes, no, it's absolutely a critical time of discipleship. So, today, we wanted to talk about something called DNA. Yeah. What's, and we're not, this is not a science, not this a science is not a Bill class. Nye situation. Um, Sarah's much cooler than Bill, Bill Nye. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I never really liked that show that much. Does that make me I weird? I can't say I ever really watched it. Yeah. That doesn't make you weird. Okay. That's good. There are other things that make me weird. So <laughs> There might, might be a few. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, this is an idea I uh, came up with a while ago. I was just thinking about how every family system is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we look at our own families and, and um, we think there's a, there's a lack of something there. Um, and then we do the, you know this uh, thing that we do here in the United States where we compare ourselves to other people. We compare our families to one another, our kids to each other's kids, our spouses to our friends' spouses, you know, ourselves to other moms or dads or grandmas or you know, whatever role you have in your family. And when we do that comparison game, we often come up short. Yeah. Um, we're just not uh, not very kind, I think, to ourselves. And I just uh, found myself wanting to help families understand that 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 just like human beings have a unique DNA, you know, things that make them special. Um, families have the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's and it all it's so many factors coming together. Uh, like, who are the adults in the family system? Is there just one adult? Are there other adults? Um, what are the relationships to the kids? How many kids do you have? What are your kids' personalities? And without boring anybody with family systems theory or... <laughs> or uh, Another day. <laughs> yeah, we, we could do that. Or uh, ecological system theory with Yuri uh, 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 Um Yeah, that just talks about how, like, you as an individual is in the middle and there are all these concentric circles outside oh. of you um, to to go with your immediate environment and then it goes up more and more and all these different environments. So your immediate environment is basically who you live with. Yeah. Next environment is um, people you see every day, like school or daycare or work or the places you go on a regular basis. And then you can get out of that to communities like a church community or sports teams. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, your city. And then outside of that, your state, your country. Um, and each of those spheres uh, have influence on you as an individual in different ways. So, you know, indirectly or directly. So dad has a bad day at work and he comes home and he's crabby because he missed a goal or his boss didn't like his project or whatever it is. He's feeling bad about it. He brings that energy, that negative energy into the home. Everybody's going to feel it, right? And so it impacts the kids. It impacts the wife um, just just because they're in close proximity. So... Mm -hmm. 
you know, when you think of all that kind of stuff, there's just so many variables that impact who we are as a family. But there are a lot of really great things to call out in family systems and in your personal family that I think are worth celebrating. Yeah. And so that's what we want to talk about today, so the, the DNA of your family. And um, it's an acronym. So. Yeah. What does it stand so, for? Well, uh, discipleship, nurture, and alleluia, which is how you worship. Mm. So we'll talk through all three of those. But, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the idea. So discipleship, nurture, and alleluia. So the first piece um, with discipleship, um, one of the definitions that you might see with, uh, what, or an, another way of saying discipleship is discipline. Yep. And so the discipline piece um, can be kind of defined as training by instruction and exercise to drill, to bring to a state of order and obedience by training and control. Um, that's an official Merriam-Webster online yes. dictionary definition. Yeah, uh, you know, discipline, we, we have all kinds of negative feelings around discipline because we think of it as punishment. Yeah. Um, and we tend to mostly only think of it that way. Um, and so nobody likes being punished. Nobody likes being told they've done something wrong. And nobody likes accepting the consequences for things they've done wrong. Hence, discipline's negative uh, mm -hmm. overtones. But discipline really as a word is just an opportunity to learn and to grow. Mm -hmm. to redirect and so or a plan um, to grow yeah following a discipline yeah. a spiritual discipline so how you discipline as a family can be life-giving mm -hmm. but it can be that negative side of discipline too where you're shutting your kids down you're shutting down their creativity you're communicating messages you don't mean to communicate and so how we do that like how do we lead our kids how do we grow how do we correct how do we direct how do we you know, help them discover how God's wired them to be. Um, and the way we go about that really, really matters. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so how you do that as a parent, uh, in large part, um, hangs on how you were parented. Mm. So did you grow up in a family system that was loving and grace-filled? Or did you grow up in a more authoritarian system where, you know, the rule was the rule and there was no bending and, you know, and... Um, and everybody was, you know, <laughs> about, um, you know, what you can and can't do. Um, and those kinds of systems um, tend to be really difficult on kids. Um, the, the opposite of that, a really permissive household where there are no boundaries and no discipline and no redirection um, can have just as detrimental of an effect on kids. Mm -hmm. So we, we find uh, studies have shown us that the kids who tend to come off the rails in high school and in college, meaning... Um, uh, getting involved on all kinds of risky behaviors, uh, both legal and illegal, um, tend to be kids who came from predominantly authoritative, uh, authoritarian homes um, or permissive homes, mm. the ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is come to the middle, <laughs> right? And, the, and, I mean, it's a blend, right? There are some times when you absolutely have to put your foot down as a parent. Yep. You are not going to look at your kid and say, I'm not sure it's a great idea for you to walk into traffic today, honey. Right. <laughs> oh, maybe let's not put that, you know, key in the outlet. <laughs> you no, know? I think no. that there are some things where you're like, no, that's not, that cannot happen. You for cannot your touch the hot stove. <laughs> right, right. So there are times when you are that hard and fast rule that sort of like I was thinking about like a stoplight. It's the red light. Like nothing, nothing goes back here. I get you, kid, and all your curiosity and wonder and wiggliness, but right now, mm -mm, it's not happening. So there are those moments. And then opposite of that are the moments where you can let your kids make all the choices and be exactly who they are and 
be uh, silly and running and playing and having a great time. And you can really watch their personalities bubble out because you know that the time is right, the space is right, things mm -hmm. are safe. Um, and you can really just let them go. Um, and then the in-between place is like a yellow light. It's a, it's a proceed with caution, like pay attention. Pay attention to the intersection, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and maybe put the brakes on a little bit. And maybe those are spaces where you collaborate with your kids um, and have some conversations about what does it look like to do this? Is this a good choice? And then you begin to sort of mentor and train kind of in that space. So really in a, in a green light space, your kids have control. The red light space, you have all the control. And in a yellow space, it's, it's a, kind of an in between. a collaboration. Yeah. I want to come back to something about what you said about um, understanding the way you are wired mm -hmm. personally as, mm -hmm. as you are looking to parent your children. Um, what does that really mean and how do we bring that into a family situation? Yeah, you know, I, I'm actually a pretty big fan of some of these personality tests that are available to us today. Some people don't like them because they feel like they label you or they pigeonhole you, put you in a box. I think they help you understand how God put you together mm -hmm. and what's unique about you. And they help you understand some of the other personalities out in the world. Um, and what I have found is not only do I gain insight for myself, but I gain insight for other people. And I begin to understand, ah, oh, that's why that person is so hard for me to be around. Mm -hmm. Like I really have to, I really have to put on my nice hat, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and oh, that's why I love being with this person because we're so like-minded. You know, and, and you begin to understand. And if you know that about who you are, your spouse takes the time if you're in a two-parent home um, to, to do the same. Now you have a conversation piece. Um, it will help you understand why you approach parenting differently or the same because it's going to have to do with how you're wired. So um, if you like personality tests, um, the ones I like the best, um, Myers-Briggs has been out there for a long time. It, it's stood the test of time. It's a, it's a good standard. There are 16 personality types in that test, um, and they're measurements of, of four sort of dichotomies, introversion and extroversion, intuitive thinking, I and what I'd have to remember all the all the s sensing, um, yeah. Anyway, they're they're all the, <laughs> you're on a scale on four different scales, uh, thinking and feeling, and uh, perceiving and judging. So you take the test and it tells you where you measure in each of those four categories, and then um, those your numbers all put together give you a particular type. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a good one. Um, the Strength Finders, we've done that here on staff mm -hmm. here at Faith Covenant, is a great one. I love Strength Finders because it's so positive. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. focusing on what you're really, really good at. And the, and the idea is uh, as much as you're able to channel your energy, your job, your parenting, your life through your skill set, mm -hmm. it's going to bring the most satisfaction and joy because you're congruent with how you're put together. If you consistently have to operate in a, in a space that is opposite of the way that you're wired, that's exhausting, yeah. it's frustrating, um, it leads to burnout, you know, all kinds of things. It's very difficult. So um, Strength Finders is great. And then um, another one that's a big hit in the covenant denomination leadership structure um, is the Enneagram. 
Mm -hmm. um, and Enneagram has nine different personality types. If you think of the Knights of the Round Table, uh, the nine numbers are listed around a circle because n none of them is better than the other, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. every number is good. Every number is important. There are healthy and unhealthy levels of every number. Um, and there's lots of um, interplay between the numbers and how they get along. Um, but they, the, that one I have find to be uncannily accurate. Really? It's, it's kind of I've weird. I've not spent much time with that one. Yeah, I, I have so many, I like, it's very popular amongst my generation, really. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I still have not quite figured out yeah. fully what my, I took a test recently that I think you made Davey take, and um, it said I was a nine, a peacekeeper. Uh -huh. Does that, from what you know, of, yeah, does I, that track for me? Yeah, or, <laughs> or I would have, or I would have thought maybe a three. Threes are like that might have been people, one of my people. wings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nine, nine um, is in a triangle with three and six. Okay. And so um, I forget which. So, in times of stress, you tend toward another number on the circle, and then um, times of like, I'm doing great, I'm healthy, everything's great, you can trend toward another. So I'm an Enneagram five. Mm -hmm. Fives are, are researchers, and they're they're in, introverted, and they they're thinkers. Um, and when I'm not in a good space, I go to seven. Sevens are adventurers. They're the people who are like, they're the party people. They love life. They love the next, the next gathering of people that super extroverted, but on, on the backside of them, when they, um, can't be happy, they, they just really don't like being sad and they mm -hmm. start to sort of like disintegrate, like get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So that's what happens to me when I'm not um, in my best place. I, I'm an overwhelmed version of myself. Mm. Um, and then when I, when everything's good and I'm in a good space, I go to eight. The eights are um, they're power people. They, they're people who walk in a room and you know they're there. They yeah. get things done. They advocate for the underdog. They're social justice people. They're, they're just really driven. Um, and there's a healthy and unhealthy side of that as well. But anyway, uh, that's a lot of mumbo jumbo about the Enneagram, but it, it's just, uh, it's helpful. And there are, there are, uh, two books. The road, Be the road to you is a, is a small, uh, easily read book that just describes all the numbers. If you don't want to actually pay to take a test, you can do their little quiz that's inside each chapter. Um, the nice thing about Enneagram is it, you, you take the test and it'll tell you, what um, what the test results say you are, but you don't have to agree with it. <laughs> so you can actually study all nine numbers and be like, actually, this one resonates with me. I think yeah. I'm this. Yeah. Um, and so there's. I remember when I took the Myers Briggs. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> See, Myers Briggs would tell you you're stuck with what you're stuck with. Yeah. Um, but Enneagram puts it in your hands, and I think some people appreciate that. So. Anyway, um, so the, that book is just a, a short book. I'm one of the experts behind the Enneagram in Crone. Um, and um, we'll just tell you about each of the numbers and their personalities and characteristics. Mm -hmm. Then there's uh, the road between you and me, which, is, which takes Enneagram numbers and puts it into relationships. Mm. And so how, do, how does this personality type get along with that personality type? And what, what are they going to be good at together? What are their challenges going to be? So you can see in a family system where... Mm -hmm. Knowing some of that is helpful. So all of that to say, knowing how you're wired is super important. Even if you don't take any personality tests, just just take some time to know yourself. What what buttons do your kids push? You know what they are. Mm 
Mm-hmm. What, why are they even there? Is that coming from your own childhood? Is it something that happened that's not resolved? You know, um, what do you need to do to stay grounded in a moment like that so you don't fly off the handle? You know, and there are all kinds of techniques for doing that kind of stuff. And just really learning how to um, be a non-anxious presence on behalf of your kids and the rest of the family gives you a space where everybody feels safe and people feel important and conversations can happen and learning can happen and discipline can happen and uh, bad ideas can be rerouted toward the good. But if we get, all get like like super uh, wound up, you really do f- kick in that flight or flight response mm, yeah. um, and you shut down your ability to get to your executive functioning as an adult, which means you can't think. <laughs> you really, yeah. you're really just reacting, yeah. and and most likely reacting badly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, your your own personality structure, how you put together, is going to impact um, your whole family system. And your kids have their own personalities too that are emerging as they grow. Mm-hmm. And so you can watch for some of these things. You're not going to, you know, sit them down and have them take a 100 question test to figure out their personality. But you could see it. You yeah. could see it coming. So, um, when you can't just assume that because you reacted a certain way that your kids will too, your kids are wired differently than you are. Yeah. And, and no two kids are the same. Right. Right. So I have a boy and a girl, they're four and a half years apart. Uh, they have a lot of similarities, but they have distinct differences in the way they receive the world and process the world and respond to the world. Um, and I would do best to take that into account in the way I parent them, Mm -hmm. um, which doesn't give you permission to set up systems that are unfair. Mm-hmm. Your kids are going to sniff that out in a second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're showing favoritism to one over the other, but it does give you permission to tailor um, approaches, uh, structures, consequences to make sense to mm-hmm. each individual kid. And, and different things will motivate kids. I remember once we tried to take TV away from Emma as a consequence and her response was, that's okay, TV's not good for you anyway. <laughs> I can just who, see her saying that. For those that. who know Emma, <laughs> that was the five-year-old Emma in our house. Um, yeah, so, you know, it wasn't, It we thought it would be a, a, thing. a, a, a consequence <laughs> that would be motivational, and it wasn't in the least. So <laughs> tr- trying to figure out what matters to kids, um, it, both in terms of positive, but also if you need to have, if the situation calls for loss of consequence. It should be something that that helps learn, helps the learning process, yeah. right? So, anyway. <laughs> so that's all good stuff. So that's the discipline piece. Yeah. Then nurture. So the definition of nurture is to feed, to protect, to support and encourage, um, like during a period of training or development. And that's kind of what yeah. is going on with kids. We're training them to be adults. We're yeah. training them to be disciples of Christ and developing that. Yep. So... How would you talk about that in terms of family? Yeah. Um, I mean, again, that d- depends on your family of origin and your spouse's family, you know, meshing those two systems and, and understanding what was good about the way you grew up, what wasn't good, and what do you want to bring forward mm-hmm. together. Um, and, and, and once you get on the same page with each other, it's helpful. Um, uh, but so nurturing is, is this idea of, like, trying to... Um, Create safe spaces for your kids to become who they're designed to be. Mm. Um, And so a lot of us as parents have hopes and dreams for our kids. You know, some 
parents are, you know, known for trying to to live vicariously through what their kids are doing. So if I was a basketball player, my kid has to be a basketball player. Well, guess what? Your kid might stink at basketball, <laughs> you know, or they might be good at it and not like it, mm. you know, which is also a possibility. So again, trying to set aside your wants in favor of theirs and what will really help them to grow and to flourish. And I think um, we're, go we're gonna be doing this in January uh, for Family Life Month on Wednesday nights, uh, a shortened version of um, a Connected Families class called uh, Discipline That Connects With Your Child's Heart. Mm. And it's a, it's a parenting philosophy that has to do uh, with, with grace-based parenting. And there are four uh, messages that you're working to communicate to your kids. And it's sort of a pyramid structure. So the bottom, the first is foundational, most important, and it goes up from there. You, you will fail <laughs> to accomplish the top tier if you don't have the ones underneath in place. So it's, uh, th these are the messages. You're safe with me. So you want your kids to know they can come to you. They, they can be in your presence. They can ask questions. They can make mistakes. And um, and they they don't have to be fearful of the of the fallout of that. Mm. So you're safe with me. We need safe environments in our home. Um, the next is you're loved no matter what, mm. right? So God gives us unconditional love, and we mess up all the time, all day long, all week long, all year long, <laughs> um, and yet He He just loves and loves and loves and corrects and loves, right? And so we want to model that in our in our family systems too, so that love um, is something that our kids know as a for sure, for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, if we have any hope of our kids bringing their struggles with the world to us to help sort of navigate um, these two things, feeling safe and feeling loved, that's what's going to lay the groundwork for your kids wanting to, to tell you about anything that feels big to them. Mm -hmm. um, and that is different to a five-year-old than it is to a 10-year-old to a 15-year-old, right? So as, as they go through ages and stages, the stakes get higher, I think. <laughs> um, and then uh, the other uh, two messages are, so you're, you're, safe, uh, you're safe with me, you're loved no matter what, you're called and capable. So that is uh, us speaking into our kids what they're good at doing. And it's not always a... Uh, trait like you're you're a good baseball player or you're a good artist it can be more like um, characteristics of our personalities you're really thoughtful you have a lot of empathy um, and and calling out those pieces of who our kids are that aren't contingent on their performance mm. but they're parts of how God's put them together uh, one of the things I consistently told Mateo as he was growing up, he's really observant. Mm. And he sees things that other people walk right past and don't even notice. And I've always uh, found that fascinating about him. And I always wanted to see the world through his eyes because just, he just sees things differently. I, I think that's a really unique trait. Um, and so to, to call that out, to name that, and let your kids live into it is, uh, is really powerful. So you're called and capable. Um, and then the last message is you're responsible for your actions. Mm. Um, so that's the discipline piece. That's the redirection piece. But you could see how that is going to be really hard to do well if you don't have safety and love down below and this idea that your kids are good and can do good things, mm -hmm. right? Those three messages 
before uh, you're responsible for your actions. And then you, you really can be like, okay, yep, you made a mistake. Um, and you can talk it through. What would you do differently? Um, what do you want to remember for next time? Okay, well, you know that mistake does have some consequences. They might be natural. They might be assigned, depending. Um, and so you can do it in a really calm manner, right? You could be like, so the consequence for not taking out the garbage is, remember, we talked about it as a family. You can't use the Xbox for two days or what, whatever it is, right? Right. Um, and so, but it's not a, I'm not screaming at you saying, you're a terrible kid. You need to take the garbage out. No Xbox for you. It's not that kind of delivery. It's it's really calm, and it's like, yeah, you, you know, you, you could have taken out the garbage. You chose not to, and the fallout of that is this. So it's it's just a whole different way uh, to work with kids from littles all the way up to teenagers. And I think that's the nurture, that that's the, the space you want to help create that's going to allow kids to really grow and flourish mm-hmm. with those messages surrounding them and your family. So we're going to... We're going to teach about that on Wednesdays in January. We'll follow up with a full, um, with the full class, eight weeks um, as a Sunday school uh, option during the grow hours starting in February. Awesome. So um, I just think it's a great philosophy, super helpful mm-hmm. in, in this family system conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So we've covered discipline and the nurture mm-hmm. pieces. Then hallelujah, which mm-hmm. is kind of defined um, as expressing praise, joy, or thanks. How does this fit into the whole conversation? Yeah, yeah. Like you said earlier, it's worship. Yeah, so, you know, we a lot of us have grown up thinking of worship as only something that happens on Sunday morning. And um, we really just need to expand our understanding of that. And some people have had that idea shared with them, and, they, and they've moved in that direction. And other people maybe have never considered it. So mm. an act of worship, you know, is... Um, I'm trying to remember Pastor Brad's definition, ascribing ultimate oh, worth. Yep, the, yep, ascribing ultimate worth towards whatever you're worshiping. Something, right? Yeah. Yeah, so God. So um, if the only time we give to the God during the week is what happens at Faith Covenant Church on Sunday morning, are we really ascribing ultimate worth to God, right? So how do you bring God into the rest of the week? How do you worship God? How do you worship as a family all week long, not just on Sunday morning? Um, and there's lots of ways to do that. You know, it, there's formal opportunities for that. So maybe maybe you do have a regular family devotion time or a, a time when you read a Bible story together or something like that. Um, maybe you choose to listen to praise music in the car when you have to drive more than a half an hour or something. You know, like you, you can sort of bring these elements in. Um, and then... And then as a parent or an adult in, in the family system, it's, looking, it's learning how to extrovert your observations of God. So as you go through your life and you see where God's showing up, whether it's in a sunrise or a friend who called unexpectedly or a song that lifted your spirits or, you know, whatever. God pops in and out of our lives all the time. Um, and you probably notice some of it and probably don't voice most of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if God did a hundred things for you in a day, you might see 50 of those things and you may only talk about five. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do we get more out? Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's the Alleluia piece, too, is how do we um, make sure to share and talk about God things with our kids so that we're always pointing them up, always pointing them to God, always pointing them to Jesus as a as an act of worship as a family. 
Um, and I think when we are intentional about that, uh, taking advantage of those opportunities, um, faith gets passed on in a really authentic way. Yeah, so again, just this, this worship, the idea of family worship. Um, and you can even ask your kids. Kids are really good at uh, coming up with ideas of ways to honor God or praise God. It could be through serving. You serve one another as family members. Um, as as a family, you go out and do some sort of a tangible thing in your community, uh, a service project of some sort, partner with one of the things we're doing here at church. There's lots of ways that we can um, bring God into our daily lives. And um, when we when we say to our kids that God's important, but all they see us do is go to church on Sunday morning, we've we've not really communicated that God's important. We've communicated that church on Sunday morning is important. Mm -hmm. um, so we really need to be careful of our mis mixed messages around faith um, and, and God. If we say reading scripture is important or knowing the Bible is important, but our kids never see us read the Bible for ourselves, we've just communicated uh, something else to them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, um, it's Alleluia sort of captures all of that stuff too, of being, being growing as, as, as a personal follower of Jesus and, and doing that in a way that your kids get to intersect with it and, and observe it and see it in real life. That's going to translate um, into a deeper faith for them than anything else, honestly. And you started by, you know, uh, joking about discipleship with families um, being important. And really, um, I, there, there was, a, ah, it was in the early 2000s, a book called Think Orange, um, came out of the children's ministry that was associated with Andy Stanley's church down in Atlanta. Um, and, it, and it has a graphic in it, two boxes um, of like contact hours with kids. And so the first box just has like sporadic orange dots around, scattered around the box, um, representing the number of hours that we get with kids at church on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, and then you flip the page, and the next box is almost all orange because there's so many orange dots in it. There's very little white space left. And that's a representative of the hours, that the contact hours that parents have with their kids. Mm -hmm. So when you see those two boxes side by side, you realize discipleship primarily happens in the home, and you are discipling your kids towards something. Mm -hmm. It may not be God, yeah. right? So. That, Unintentionally that, or not, right. you're discipling them towards something. Yeah, what you say, what you prioritize, what you do is, is teaching them all the time. Um, and so we're here at church to help you organize that, prioritize that, resource that, encourage you, uh, cheer for you, walk, walk alongside, do some of it with you, do some of it for you when we're teaching a Bible story and that kind of thing. But it, at the end of the day, there is very little that I can do here even if you're showing up every week on Sunday and every week on Wednesday, and most people can't swing that. But let's suppose you could. Even with that, what I can give to kids in terms of a lifelong faith is tiny. Mm. So, so the partnership with the home is really what God intended in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> that we're doing this all together, that we're all raising the next generation to know and love Jesus, whether they're our own kids or not. Um, and when we have that full partnership going, um, everybody benefits. So oh. anyway, but the DNA part, uh, again, it's just like spend some time thinking about what makes your family great. Mm -hmm. You know, what's unique to who you are? What are the things that, um, you know, are, I don't know, your traditions or 
or the fun things that you do, the way you laugh together. Um, it, there's uh, one example. We used to do this. I don't even remember where I heard this idea. It wasn't mine originally, but um, mystery minivan tour. Hmm. So uh, we would think of something fun that we knew the kids would want to do. Could be something easy like a hiking trail. Could be a stop at Dairy Queen for treats. Like, you know, whatever, whatever your family likes to do. Um, and you, uh, in cahoots with your spouse, um, if you have one, um, you uh, figure out when you're going to do something. And then out of the blue, when your kids are in the house, you just yell, Mystery Minivan Tour! <laughs> and they're like, ah! You know, and so everybody to the van! And we actually had a minivan, so it worked really well. And they, I was going to say, like, like, as a kid, my dream car was a minivan. Well, because as a kid, I was always stuck between my two brothers in the back seat oh, of the yeah, car. And fair. I was just like, I just want you some want the space. captain's chair. Yeah, so I was always <laughs> jealous of the families that did have yeah. the minivan. <laughs> well, we would so we would just load them up, or we would tell them tomorrow night is mystery minivan tour, and that was like agony because they wouldn't know what the mystery yeah. was. Um, so anyway, we'd load them up in the minivan and go do whatever it was, and it was just super fun um, and just something fun to do as a family. It was a little bit of a crisis when we sold our minivan and got a Pontiac Vibe because <laughs> we're like. Mystery, mystery vibe, vibe tour. tour. That sounds weird. <laughs> it just wasn't the that same. That sounds like you're going to the mic club the or same something. Thing. I know. So anyway, I do wish uh -oh. someone would say mystery airline tour to me. And oh, that would be super. Throw me awesome. on a plane and take me to somewhere. Mystery, mystery island visit. Yeah, we could do it. Mystery a lot cruise ship tour. Like okay, <laughs> I'll go. So, yeah, I'll go. So anyway, it, it was just something unique we did as a family. Another thing we did, less loved by our children, but. You know, you tried. <laughs> we would do uh, Sosa's Unplugged. And what, unplugged? So, unplugged Sosa's, because oh, okay. our family name. Yeah. So Sosa's Unplugged, um, what, we would just announce it and, um, and the time frame. So usually it was like after school, so like 4 o'clock until bedtime, which meant nobody used any technology. Mm. All of us. So our adult phones were put away, TV off, um, music, we, nothing. But we, we would do other things. We could go for a walk or play games or, mm -hmm. you know, wrestle on the floor or build a fort. I mean, there's a gazillion things you could do that don't require technology aside mm -hmm. from light and heat and stuff. But so um, it was just a way to back away from our electronics for a chunk of time and really be fully 100% present with one another. Mm. So that was another thing that we did um, that helped define who we were as a family. Uh, we started calling ourselves Team Sosa, you know, just just to have a little pride behind mm -hmm. who we were as family. So, so lots of things you can do to carve out that DNA. And, and when you do and you figure out what are we really good at, what, what's great about our family system, then when you're tempted to compare yourself to another family or if you're mom, you compare yourself to another mom, you have something to back up and say, actually, I don't have to be like that because mm -hmm. what I got here is pretty sweet, yeah. pretty awesome. So just because you see another family doing something really well and healthy doesn't mean that your family is unhealthy yeah. because they're not operating the exactly. same way. But if it's a great idea, steal it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's all about sharing the ideas. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I really long for families to, to just love who they are. And I, you know, my kids would get frustrated. Emma would get frustrated because she was the oldest. She felt like she always had to be responsible and 
why does you know why does she always have to set an example you know that kind of thing and Mateo would get frustrated because he's the youngest and why didn't he get to do what his sister got to do and she gets to stay up later than I do and blah 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 and I just finally said you know what I said our family is the way our family is because that's the way God wanted it so mm-hmm. for some reason Emma he thought you'd be a great big sister Mateo he thought you'd be a great younger brother and those are the rules he gave you I didn't pick it for you you didn't pick it for you it just is what it is. So let's let's live into that. Let's be the best big sister, the best mom, the best dad, the best mm-hmm. little brother that we can be. And um, and that's resonated with them weirdly. Like I didn't think I said it, and I was kind of like, oh, they're gonna look at me like <laughs> I'm a weirdo or whatever. But it somehow it made sense, mm. and it's true, right? Yeah. Like nobody gets to pick their role in their family. You're just in it. So you know, try to make the best of it now. Having said that, totally, fully, completely understand that some family systems are really difficult mm-hmm. for lots of good reasons and lots of bad reasons. Um, and so if you're listening to the podcast today and you find um, that some of these things don't feel attainable because you feel like um, your your family system is pressured or broken or um, in pain in some way, um, I, I strongly invite and encourage you to reach out um, for some help in that area, mm-hmm. whether it's um, a, a, a rethink of how you do parenting, if it's, a, if it's a recognition that your relationship with your spouse needs some work. Um, there are ways we can come alongside you at Faith Covenant and help make that happen. If what you need is more on a professional level, we can help you find that professional care and, um, and become the healthy family system that maybe you long um, to have. And that that might not be an easy road, but it's a worthwhile road. Mm-hmm. And so if if you feel like that's uh, who you are today as you're listening to all of this and you want to be in a better place but you're not sure how to get there, um, stop by, call, text, email, however you want to get hold of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd, we'd be happy to enter that, that journey and that conversation with you. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's kind of the nutshell of what DNA um, can mean. It's the discipline, the nurture, and the hallelujah. Any closing thoughts that you want to wrap up with? I don't think so. I just think, you know, go for it. Just yeah. live into who God made you to be, who, who your kids are, who you are as a family. And um, just, you know, just so, so much junk in the world. Why put extra junk <laughs> on your shoulders, right? right? Extra stress, extra anxiety, just a little headache and uh and and learn to really really appreciate what you have absolutely That's good yeah well i'm very grateful that pastor sarah could join us um because i'm not a parent so i know very little <laughs> about parent i only know You've about been parent- parented though i have um but i've only i only know of parenting by observation i don't yeah. know it by experience the way that you do yeah and the way that you've come alongside so many families that are doing that so we are grateful for your experience and for your willingness to share that with us so one other quick thing yeah i could say um um, and this is maybe toward the part of parenting where your kids are getting older like heading toward middle school and high school there are a lot of stereotypes out in the world about middle schoolers and high schoolers and teenagers and we do a lot of and some of them are true (laughs) yeah we do a lot of big breaths and a lot of rolling our eyes and a lot of expecting our kids to just be really terrible versions of themselves for a certain (laughs) set of time. Um, And definitely there are changes that are coming. But just because the stereotypes are out there does not mean that you have to embrace those stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And I just say that because sometimes when we anticipate something, we we almost allow it to happen. 
Mm, right? No. Um, and your kids might go through adolescence just fine. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I yeah, was great. some of the drama, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's, there's stuff that's just going to be there. But by and large, they'll probably be fine. But if you're sitting there expecting them to be disrespectful to you and disrespectful to their friends, and if they behave that way and you think, oh, it's just because they're teenagers and you don't correct it, you don't hold a better standard, um, you're helping them become that thing that you dreaded having in your home. Mm. And you don't have to do that. Yeah. So just something to chew on and think about. But I, I sort of was like, I'm not going to embrace the terrible two stereotype. Mm-hmm. And my kids were great two-year-olds. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to embrace the stereotype that you can't travel with your kids. I took my kids all over the place on buses, trains, airplanes, cars. They traveled great. You know, and I, I, I know, too, some kids have challenges more so than others. Um, and so there's a spectrum of things here. But, again, I think when you invite certain things and you, and you just think it's a foregone conclusion, um, you, you kind of might short-circuit something that you didn't need to short-circuit. Mm-hmm. So. Sounds good. <laughs> well, let me know when the next mystery minivan tour is. Oh, we don't and have a minivan. I have a Ultima well, now. Well, then the next Ultima mystery <laughs> Ultima tour. Mystery Ultima tour. <laughs> yes, so. I saw on the way in today. You could cut this if you don't want it. Um, somebody was driving a, a crossover, like you know the mini SUV crossover, but it was a Jaguar, and yeah. I thought, if you had enough money for a Jaguar, why would you buy a crossover? Because Jaguar makes crossover now, isn't there? I know. It's they're Probably good cars. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought, you know, get like a RAV4 or something. Or get a fancy check. <laughs> well, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> so uh, next week we'll be talking about crossovers and SUVs. Uh, there with, you go. Uh, Pastor Which Sarasota. is so important for family yes. life and church life and yes. faith in general. So. Yes. <laughs> what car does or God not. want me to buy next when my lease runs out? Right. There you yeah. go. Probably not a Jaguar. <laughs> I'm not in that price bracket. Oh, I um, What do you mean? Pastors make millions. I'm not technically a pastor yet. Oh, see? <laughs> yeah, go get your credential. Yeah. Then you can have the Jaguar. Working on it. So. Okay, fantastic. Right. Well, thank you so much for listening <laughs> or for watching. Um, oh, just good. let us know if you need anything. Again, my email is in the um, episode description, and I'll put Pastor Sarah's in as well if you have questions about family stuff and want to talk directly to Sarah. So. Thank you so much for watching and listening, and I hope you have a wonderful and blessed day.